from Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Religious extremism has manufactured reason for warfare, but religion teaches peace. So why do we still have religious violence and intolerance across the world? Why do we still have bigoted and separatist thinking? Why do we still think about us and them? In the face of rising Islamophobia globally, is there a need for interfaith work in our society? And how can interfaith initiatives be an effective tool in fighting the phenomenon of religious intolerance? That's our burning question on our show tonight. This week marks World Interfaith Harmony Week and Official United Nations Observance Week. And the Cape Town Interfaith Initiative is commemorating seven sacred days in Cape Town. We will have various, we have various guests in studio that I will introduce now. And of course, this follows on from last week's burning issue where we had a, uh, a, a South African National Defense Force employee on the show. And she was in fact told, or she was one of her managers rather told her that she needed to remove a headscarf. And that was after she had already worked for the Defense Force for 10 years without any problems until one person decided it's a problem for a Muslim woman to wear a headscarf under her beret at work. And of course, we raised the question about religious intolerance last week as well. So this week, we decided to zoom in on it, particularly because we've got World Interfaith Harmony Week and a number of events in Cape Town bringing people of different religions and faiths together. So let's welcome our guests in studio. We have Reverend Betty Burr, Chairperson of the Cape Town Interfaith Initiative. Good evening. Good evening, Aziz. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Welcome to the show. We also have Dr. Badra Shah, the Vice Chair of the Parliament of the World's Religions. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you. Welcome to Cape Town. Thank you very much. And it's wonderful. Is it your first time here? Yes, this is my first time to Africa. Wow. Okay. Okay. Welcome. And we also have Dr. Jayana Clerk, a renowned author, lecturer, and authority on world religions and world literature, and of course also a member of the Parliament of the World Religions. Yes. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Good evening. Welcome. Thank you. so later on, we also are going to be joined by Aideen Inal. He's the Western Cape Director of the Turquoise Harmony Institute, and he's going to talk to us also about the interfaith work. So I think the first thing we want to know from Berry is the news. What's happening this week in terms of interfaith initiatives? It's an amazing program, and um, tomorrow we actually have an interfaith dialogue at Grotekerk. Now, if you think about Grotekerk and all that has meant to us in our history, and um, Dumini Rion de Villiers of Grotekerk has offered to host us for an interfaith dialogue on how interfaith can heal. And that's wide open to the public. It's um, it's free. Uh, Domini Rion will be giving us a little bit of history about Grotekerk and its place in our society. And then we will be in embracing this conversation. So that's going to be really exciting. And then on Thursday, and wait, I forgot. On Wednesday evening, we have a music concert hosted by the Jewish community at Temple Israel in 
Greenpoint. That's really exciting. That's from 5.30 to 7.30. Also a free concert. They do need to know your name for security purposes. So if you do intend to participate or come along, then we do need, just let me know. And on Thursday evening, the Brahma Kumaris are hosting a dialogue on bringing harmony into, into faith, bringing harmony, how to create harmony. And um, Dr. Badra Shah is going to be addressing that gathering as well. So that's exciting. On Friday, which is day seven of World Interfaith Harmony Week, um, I am delivering the sermon at the Claremont Mosque at 12.30, the midday sermon. I'm very excited and honored about that. And we finish our week with an absolute celebration of Shabbat Rina, which is the Progressive Jewish Society will be doing a musical um, service at Temple Israel in Weinberg. That is at six o'clock. And that's um, if people would like to respond to that. We do need to know numbers for catering purposes. So just let me know as well. Would you like me to tell people how to let me know? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think this is already a lot of information that mm. must have slipped people's minds by now. Is there a Facebook page? Is there anywhere online where people can get this information? Yes. You can go to our website, which is um, cti.capetown.com. Um, yeah, CTII dot Cape Town. CTII. No, I'm lying. Okay. It's CTII. No, Cape Interfaith. Sorry, I'm trying to give you my another website. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Cape Interfaith dot org dot za. That okay. is our website. Mm -hmm. But if you go to Facebook, you'll find us CTII Cape Town Interfaith Initiative. Cape and our events Town are all marked there. Interfaith Initiative. Okay. That's right. Look, I just, I'm making a note of this because I'd like to drop this information throughout the show so that people are aware of where to get the information for this week's events. Because this is something that started a few days ago already, right? It did. It started on Saturday with a visit to Ananda Kutir Ashram. And what's been really wonderful, Yazid, is that we've been able to incorporate, we have our international guests that you've mentioned, but we also have been bringing into our environment um, a whole lot of really amazing interfaith leaders on the Cape Flats. So we've been working very hard because the Cape Flats interfaith leaders, um, whether they're Muslim, whether they are Christian, no matter what they are, there is a tremendous amount of pressure and trauma that they live with on a daily basis, which we all know. So how to support this crucial, crucial group of people to to help them to support their communities. So we've been working very closely with them to help create a sustainable project for um, for helping to helping not only the faith leaders to work through their trauma, but also so that they can help the communities more and so that they feel more supported. So we've been able to bring them with us to all of our um, all of our events, and that's been an amazing experience for all of us. Okay, so I think the most important question really is why is interfaith work important? from your side, yeah. You know, something magical happens when the community sees leaders of different faiths working together with common purpose, collaborating and reaching out in unity with a common message. Something magical happens and, and it's as if people just release some of the stress that they live under on a daily basis. It's as, it's as if there's a collective sigh of, oh, it's okay now because there, there's no conflict. They realize that there really is no conflict. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I think it's, I think it's, to be absolutely honest with you, it sounds a bit dreamy to say that there's no conflict because we see people fighting in the world based on religious differences. We do. And it's something that's been going on for a very long time. I mean, I think it's the ideal to say that there's no conflict and we would all love to say we believe in the same God and we are all worshipping the same creator and we can all live harmoniously together because of that. But the reality is that we see religious intolerance and that is why this show is so important tonight, yes. you know. Um, I think what's important also is, um, in fact, let's quickly go for an ad break. And then when we come back, I'd like to chat to our other guests and maybe look at what else we're going to get online as well. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And this evening we are talking about the importance of interfaith work. And it is as the city, as people in the city rather, are gathering for various events held by the Cape Town Interfaith Initiative. And of course the chairperson, Betty Burr, Reverend Betty Burr rather, of the Cape Town Interfaith Initiative is here. And before the break I said it's quite dreamy for us mm. to think that, you know, um, we can all live harmoniously because... We all believe in one creator, but it's not actually like that. No, you're quite right. That is not the lived experience. That is the human experience. So I think where we see interfaith, um, where people come together with common purpose, when people have common purpose, they focus their attention on that. And also, I think that a lot of the conflict is not necessarily around religious difference, but more around things like land, things like um, commercial considerations, at the, if one goes to the very root of it. So I, I think that when we look at all of our religions, we do have points of commonality. We have the Charter for Compassion. Compassion is a human value that flows through all of our religions. So when we do get leaders who are able to work together compassionately and go, you know what, we all have live on this one planet which we all have to share. It's our greatest point of commonality. How do we do that? We, Rumi, the poet Rumi, said there are many ways to kneel and kiss the ground. And I think that is, we just express ourselves differently, but ultimately, it's for the same purpose. Okay. Now, you know, we all know about last year's horrific Christchurch attacks in New Zealand. We saw the Easter shootings in Sri Lanka and so many more incidents, instances of religious extremism and violence. By the way, also one of our listeners, thank you for sending us a WhatsApp message. The listener wanted to know, can you be clear on what religion you are referring to when you speak of religious extremism? And I want to be very clear that we are speaking in general about all religions because people from various backgrounds display a form of extremism so we're not talking just about one religion and I just want to say listeners you're more than welcome to contribute and participate in the show at any point you're welcome to send us a whatsapp to the number 072-238-0712 that is 072-238-0712 or give us a call live on air the number is 021-442-3530 that is 021-442-3530 and of course the views expressed in the program are not the views of the voice of the Cape it's management or staff now turning back to Christchurch you know we saw attacks in New Zealand and 
after that, something amazing happened. Christians actually came together with Muslims and people of other faiths and said, we will not tolerate this violence. And in Cape Town, we had somebody who was very, actually quite involved in opening up his church to people of various faiths, and I'm not going to welcome him to the show now. His name is Rian de Villiers, and he is from, he's a priest. Am I getting it right, Rian? Are you a priest? Hello. Uh, hi, good evening, Yazid. Um, yes, I, well, um, I'm a reverend, so uh, in the Dutch Reformed Church. So, um, yeah, probably a priest as well. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so, Rian, I mean, I was at this event that you had organized at the um, the Dutch Reformed Church, the Engie Kerk, right? The Grote Kerk, which yes. is in, is it Adderley Street in the city center? Yeah, it's in Adderley Street next to Church Square. Yeah, so Rian was someone who kind of like made me think, you know, he made me think like, okay, this is interesting. There was this person who went and killed Muslims in New Zealand, and here was a priest or a reverend from a church in Cape Town saying, we are going to pray for peace and we are going to pray for the victims. And I remember you lit candles for each person who died and all the names of the persons who were killed were actually read out in the church. Yes, and... um I think, uh, well, um, hello, Barry, I see you are there as well. Hello, Rian, lovely <laughs> um, to hear you. And, um, yeah, it was, I mean, at that stage, uh, um, as the shockwaves went around the world, that people who were peacefully gathered in their place of worship um, were so brutally attacked. Um, we were once again reminded of um, of all this religious intolerance and also, in the kind of bad ideas and, and bad things that the people can do to one another in your faith. And, and I think um, the, the urgency was there for us to, to come together, especially also here in, in Cape Town, um, as different faiths. And we had um, people from the Muslim faith, people from the Christian faith, and people um, from the Jewish faith that, that spoke at, at that gathering, and also. Um, people from different faith backgrounds that came together and said, look, we will stand together um, against this kind of religious intolerance and, and religious violence um, because we're all part of one human family. Uh, and so I think that was, um, for me, that was a very important thing to do, uh, especially in the times that we live in. Um, I would like to encourage people from, from all over the world to continue to, to, to stand together and, and work together for, for peace and, and for harmony. Mm-hmm. Rian, you know, the thing is, it seems almost like people don't understand the role of interfaith work in our society because there's maybe some mistrust and even fear, you know, about mm-hmm. people of other religions. But w- tell us, please, what is, firstly, tell us what is in your mind, what is interfaith work and why is it important? Yes, so um, first of all, I have to say that it is also, I'm also new to the interfaith journey. Um, and I've been great to, um, to meet people like um, Reverend Barry Bear that's with you in the studio and uh, a lot of other religious leaders from different faiths. And um, it's for me, an um, enlightening experience to, to journey with them over the past 
year or so. Um, so again, first of all, the context where I come from, um, when you speak about fear or um, or difference, it is something that um, that was very much kind of part of my upbringing. Um, also, to um, to kind of be um, to, to, to be careful of people who think differently and speak differently. So therefore, it was for me such a good experience to. Um, to come together and, and to meet with people of different faiths and understand that, um, that we are part of one human family and that we're all, um, in our different way, we are um, bringing praise to the Creator. We are, um, we've got all got the, the um, opportunity to work for peace. Um, we all have the message of, of love of one another, so there's a lot of similarities as well, and I think it was good for me to um, to also focus on the similarities and um, to look at people, somebody standing in front of me that maybe prepares something else, but also are created in God's image, so I think that I also learned a lot of other faiths, because sometimes we, we left with stereotypes or with some ideas about other people, but we um, we meet other people, we, we, we get closer to one another, we, we get to understand one another. So I think various ways that, that that's why it's important for me um, to learn about um, different people's faiths and to learn about different experiences, but also to say, we, look, we've got this one earth that we all have to, to, to um, live on together. We all need to work together in this world for peace and harmony. And I mean, Speaking from somebody from the Christian faith, the very important text where Jesus says that um, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So when we work together for peace, um, um, we, we realize that we are, we are all children of God working together for peace. Mm-hmm. Well, Rian, thank you so much for joining us on the show this evening. It was really good to get the perspective of the church because you have been involved in interfaith work and it's important for us to get different perspectives. So thank you so much for joining us this evening. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And um, yeah, tomorrow evening, uh, tomorrow afternoon, I'll post two. We will also gather in the first cat. That was for seven sacred days and various probably been telling you about. And we will also speak there about um, importance of interface. So if anybody's listening, they're welcome to come to the church tomorrow at all past one. Thank you so much, Rian. Thank you. So, Barry, just to confirm tomorrow, what's happening tomorrow at the Grote Kerk in Adderley Street in the city centre? So, if you come along at half past one, yeah. we will gather there and Rian is going to tell us a little bit about the history of the church. And what Rian has not told you is, that is his own role in really changing the focus and embracing the work of interfaith, which has been not part of the um, Dutch Reformed Church's ethos in the past. Yeah, it used to be like the apartheid voice. It exactly. used to be like the voice of, of like telling people, you know, that white is right and white is might, basically, unfortunately. Right. Now, now Rion and the um, current leadership of the church have changed their stance completely because what they've said is, you know, we really are all brothers and sisters. Yes, the Dutch Reformed Church actually did provide the theology that, um, that was the justification for um, apartheid in the past. We've been part of the pain and now we need to be part of the healing. We have caused the pain and now we need to be part of the healing. And that's an enormous turnaround. And one of the big issues in interfaith is how do we forgive each other? How do we forgive ourselves? How do we move forward with 
that. I just want to take a step back, right? Mm. Interfaith. How do you des- how do you describe this to somebody who is new to this concept? How do you, you know, like, and also, what is the reaction often of people? I'll tell you how I describe it to children. When I, when I go to schools, I say to children, what is your favorite flower? And one little one will say a rose, another little one will say a daisy, and another little one will say a lily. And I say, well, yes, and which one does God love the best? And they look at me in confusion because you can't answer that. And I say, you know, it's just interfaith is like a garden. Each flower is only itself. The rose does not want to be a daisy. The daisy does not want to be a lily. But they're planted in the same soil. They live side by side. They blossom in the most exquisite way in their own way. They are fed by the same rain, kissed by the same sun. That is who we are. Oh my God, it sounds like I've got the hippies in the studio tonight. <laughs> flower Real power. Flower power. Wow, Penny, what's ha- going on? I'm completely happy to be a flower, a flower child right here. Okay. <laughs> but I think more importantly, it, isn't it also about breaking down the fear that we have of other religions and people of other backgrounds and faiths? Yes, so if you start to see it as simplistically as that, that does help to refocus you completely. You go, well, where's the fear in that? And why do we fear each other? So, and then we can actually look at what our unconscious biases are. We can look at what we're raised with. So we look at our schools program, for instance. Our schools program that we run through Cape Town Interfaith brings together children of different faiths. We'll go into a bit more detail about your work later on, because I really want to expand on that. I just want to cover the basis first, and let's get our two guests also in the conversation. We've heard now from... Barry and from Rian about events happening this week. And of course, we'll re- re- repeat the information a bit later for our listeners who may be joining later. So, Dr. Badra Shah and Dr. Jayana Clark, why are you here? What brings you to Cape Town? Do you want to start, um, Dr. Badra? And of course, you are the vice chair of the Parliament of the World's Religions. Yes. Uh, Parliament of World Religions was started in 1893, uh, especially to bring the interfaith, all religious peoples together so that uh, they can come on a common ground, sit together, discuss and find some solution for the common problem of common people. And uh, interfaith work is important because uh, it is not, yes, we are far from a perfectness, but we all are imperfect and moving towards perfectness. That is what our effort is, okay? The interfaith effort is for moving together towards the perfectness, okay? And I really think that the interfaith, uh, um, uh, what you call dialogue, may take longer time, but it is definitely effective because in 1893, uh, Parliament of World Religion is the first international interfaith organization, okay? And after that, interfaith work all over the world increased quite a bit. And uh, our experience, you know, first 1893, the first uh, uh, parliament when Swami Vivekananda said brothers and sisters of America 
I think nobody heard something like that. So they got up and clapped for two minutes. And now in uh, 2018, uh, over 90% of the speakers were saying sisters and brothers of America. Long time ago, if you feel it, uh, if you see like uh, different religious leaders may not sit together and eat together. Now I think things are getting much better. So Parliament of World Religion, uh, we are all we are trying to do is increase the interfaith dialogues. And that is what attracted me here, the World Interfaith Harmony Week. We were celebrating and uh, we last year we had 29 registrations and out of that there's a cape uh, cape town interfaith initiative they won the first prize and then they started with this seven day sacred tour so i thought uh, it must be interesting and i'm very happy to be here yes and uh, going to seven different places of different religions and more you talk about, more you meet people, more you have an interfaith dialogue, you realize that all religions basically talks the same thing. Okay. I have questions. I have questions. Where is the parliament based? How does it work? Uh, parliament, our main office is in Chicago. It started in Chicago because uh, it was 400th year of uh, discovery of America by Columbus and Christopher Columbus and that is the time where there was a world's exposition and many religious leaders from all over the world met and they thought that I think we should do something together and that is the way uh, Parliament of World Religion was born. It is still there but we are about 25 to 30 trustee and we are all over uh, America. We still don't, have, we have ambassadors out of country, but we do not have uh, trustees. You know, the board of trustees all is in America, and we meet in Chicago twice a year, but we meet online practically every month. Okay. I mean, what is the world part? I mean, if it's just in America, I'm mm -hmm. not sure now. You're saying you have ambassadors in other countries. Right. Yeah. We have ambassadors in other countries, and um, Parliament of World Religion is the largest convening uh, organization, and uh, every time we meet, usually we have eight to 12,000 uh, people who come. Okay. Yes. Let's go for a quick ad break. When we come back, we would like to hear from you about your event in Cape Town or what you'll exactly will be doing in Cape Town and of course we also want to hear from Dr. Jayana. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we are talking about interfaith initiatives and we are also finding out what's happening in our city around interfaith efforts. We have in studio international guests as well. We have the Vice Chair of the Parliament of the World's Religions and that is Dr. Badra Shah who has been telling us about their work. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to know about your work and what you'll be doing in Cape Town so that our listeners are aware. Uh, 
actually we are not doing anything directly into the Cape Town, but we are planning to do something. The we first international convening was done in Cape Town in 1999. So that is what our involvement was. And then with uh, Interfaith uh, Harmony Week, uh, they took part into that and they won the first prize. So I think Cape Town was our first selection for the international convening. And they got the first prize. So now I think I would like to have some sort of um, uh, partnership initiative, okay? So we will, I talk with uh, Barry and uh, Reverend Barry and uh, uh, I, I feel that there is a lot of uh, opportunity, but it requires a lot of planning. We cannot just do on a, this was really good. Seven day secret tour was good. But if we want to do something on a larger scale, that requires a lot of planning and uh, on a bigger scale. Otherwise, uh, it will not uh, do real good to Cape Town or the world around. But now that we have uh, this membership initiatives and People from Cape Town or some organization from the Cape Town, if they become a member, then it will be very easy to communicate and get all the information what Parliament is doing. And also you can put your uh, um, what you call su suggestions or what you would like us to do it or how you would participate or what we can do together. Mm -hmm. So please tell us a bit about the events that you do. What do you do interfaith work specifically? Right. Uh, as I said with the World Interfaith Harmony Week, we plan in a different places. Uh, they can do anything related to, but they have to invite all different uh, uh, religious leaders and uh, that you know it could be a musical part it could be some uh, drama or different ways people did it like here they did this annual prayer uh, so all 27 places were a different ways of presentation but the basis was to talk about interfaith and bring different religious leaders together to make it that yes we are the children of the same God. And as I said, that it takes longer time, but it will be effective slowly but surely. Mm -hmm. So now, Dr. Jayana Clerk, you are a member of the World Parliament of Religions. Is that correct? The Parliament of the World's Religions, sorry. Um, tell us about your involvement in the Parliament. What do you do? Um, in the Parliament, uh, my involvement is more indirect because I have my um, academic background in world religions and world literature. So I combine the two in terms of uh, uh, the whole big process of religions in mankind, humankind. And uh, I often give uh, lectures or I have uh, been a promoter, a promoter. Uh, I have led some uh, seminar panels and things like that. So it is more intellectual and ideological, theoretical contribution to the commonality of world religions. Um, and I believe that uh, religion is at the heart of 
human nature. It is as basic as hunger, sex, and religion. And therefore, because it is so vital to humans, politicians and uh, economists, commercial interests have kind of uh, hijacked it. And that is where we see our apparent differences. But really, we are very close to each other yeah. and the commonality. I mean, it. politicians are well known for hijacking religion for their own popularity contest. Yes, and not only popularity, but power. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, so I just sort of theoretical idea about how religion becomes vulnerable. But it can be also with compassion and love, which is the over, uh, over the fundamentals of religion. That is what prevails. And this kind of ideological thing. So my work in the Parliament of World Religions is more about the theoretical, intellectual background and seminars and uh, work fantastic, like that. Fantastic. That's what I do. And we need to go now for the Maghrib break, which is the prayer time. So yes. um, inshallah, after the break, we are going to be talking to, we hope to get Aidin Inal on the line. And he's from the Turquoise Harmony Institute. We need to continue this conversation until about nine o'clock, of course, on why interfaith work is important for our societies. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good evening. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we are talking about interfaith work, what it is, what it means, and how it can achieve peace in our societies. Now, no stranger to this show is Aidin Inal, and he is the regional director of the Turquoise Harmony Institute. Now, the Turquoise Harmony Institute is very involved in interfaith initiatives, and let's welcome him to the show. Aidin, good evening. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening to you and Barry and the guest. Aden, I think why we wanted you on air is because, you know, we are talking about various interfaith initiatives happening in our city this week. Earlier we heard also from Reverend Rian from the Enghia Kerk. And of course we have been hearing from Barry about various initiatives happening for the World Interfaith Harmony Week in Cape Town. But... Turquoise Institute has been playing a role in ensuring that people understand each other and come together from different religions. Can you please give us an update on any of your projects or perhaps tell us about your work or vision for 2020? Okay, thank you very much, uh, Yadid, for the opportunity. Um, yes, Turquoise Albany Institute was established in 2006 and has been uh, trying to contribute towards interfaith understanding between people of different uh, backgrounds. Um, as, as an institute, we try to uh, host events where people of different backgrounds, uh, different faiths, different cultures, different uh, uh, ethnicities come together, and we try to forge a underst- common understanding between uh, between people of, of, of this world, basically. Um, for 2020, we've got a few... Uh, activities that we are in the process of planning and we'll be sending out notices but uh, we are planning to focus more around issues such as uh, environment and social justice this year um, 
Apart from that, we don't, we don't have exact dates and, and details. That's why I cannot share anything with you at the moment. But uh, in the past, we've done, like you said, uh, many platforms where we invite people of different backgrounds because our departure point is that we have to uh, create platforms where people of different backgrounds should be uh, should feel uh, comfortable and safe to talk about each other and to learn from each other because the more we learn from one another we are going to be able to uh, the counter the narratives which promote um, conflict and violence uh, arising out of these different Okay. Now, Aiden, why is interfaith work so important in today's society? Well, um, I think in today's society, any effort which uh, promotes an understanding and dialogue across differences is very important. And faith is important. Faith has always been important in, in the history of humankind. And still in today, specifically in South African society, uh, we are very much uh, a religious society. We all have our uh, religious and cultural uh, affiliations and, and beliefs. And in our, in, the, in our social lives, in our daily lives, we are mostly governed by those beliefs and, and, and principles. And therefore, I think it's important uh, that an attitude of, of understanding and embracing the other should be spread among the people of faith, uh, like, uh, like you discussed earlier with, uh, with your international guests, that uh, there are people who are very much willing and ready to abuse religion in their, in their own, own uh, purposes, be it political gains, be it uh, power. So th- therefore, I think it's important that we, we, we emphasize this uh, point of dialogue, point of understanding, embracing, uh, respecting each other, uh, so that when, when uh, conflict uh, arises, people will be ready to counter uh, the underlying reasons for conflict and we manage to avoid those um, conflicts without resorting to violence, without uh, conflicts resulting in, in, in bigger divisions. And can you elaborate a bit about your programs? Tell us the kind of programs that you have. Okay. Uh, we, we do a, a couple of different kinds of programs. Like I said, the, the main departure point for our uh, programs is to create platforms where people of different backgrounds come together and and uh, learn about one another. Um, but we, uh, Turco was well established as the uh, as the Interfaith Foundation uh, in 2006. Then uh, we've extended the concept of dialogue beyond the uh, faith, and therefore. Uh, our programs, sometimes we touch directly on issues of interfaith. For example, we would, we would discuss issue of fasting in different religions, where we would invite experts in each religion and they would come and talk about it. And, and sometimes we would discuss uh, more broader issues, like, for example, social media. We would discuss about uh, info pollution, and and we would talk about the role of the media. We would talk. We would do events, uh, for example, around fourth industrial revolution and how it is impacting on um, on okay. the minds of the people and how it is impacting on the attitudes of the people towards one another, yeah. etc. So we are. Yeah, Aiden, I, I I want to also ask you about 
the perception that people might have. I know that um, you do work with people of different faiths. Um, of course, you, your organization is also quite involved in the Muslim community. Um, and I wanted to know from you, do uh, Muslim people that you speak to about interfaith work, is there perhaps an initial confusion or perhaps a resistance to this kind of work because people aren't aware of it? And how do you explain interfaith work to people who may fear it? Well, um, yes, yes, absolutely, you're right. Um, the word interfaith, um, I think, it has, uh, or does create a bit of suspicion among most people because there are uh, common misconceptions. For example, uh, if people haven't uh, come across uh, interfaith platforms, for them, interfaith could uh, remind them of compromising their faith, for example. And some of them uh, might be feeling that, oh, am I, am I going to, for example, now embrace another faith? Or are we, uh, for, for example, melting all the faith in the same pot and creating a new faith kind of thing? That I have come across this kind of suspicions. And also, uh, I think there are deeper uh, problems where, like you've discussed earlier, um, where, where people have suspicions about the other. So when they come together, and uh, let's say a Muslim person comes together with a Jewish person, now th there are barriers, mental barriers, uh, which can stop them from engaging, frankly. But I think uh, these they have to take small steps towards breaking certain barriers in in, uh, in people coming together. Yes, you're absolutely right. There are uh, suspicions, but I think the only way to overcome to get around those is to start inviting uh, perhaps one person at a time and uh, reaching out to people and showing them in practice where we come together we are still muslim very much uh, grounded in in our faith but we can also talk about our faith and the other person's faith um, or we can talk about other things. We don't necessarily have to talk about faith all the time. I mean, we know our society, um, that there are so many issues. So we can just come together uh, uh, as different people of different backgrounds and start discussing these issues. For example, uh, recently, uh, I think Barry uh, can maybe talk about it. There is a platform created of, uh, I think, um, I'm not sure the name now, but there's an interreligious forum which was created in the Cape Flats, which deals with mostly the gangsterism and, and violence. And that these kinds of initiatives, they arise out of a need in the society and also out of a willingness of the people of faith uh, to reach out to one another and to cooperate with one another. I think this, uh, when we speak with people, um, the important thing is to point to that we live in the same, same, on the same planet, uh, facing same issues, same problems. So I think the the more reasonable thing is to come together, and and put our efforts together, and approach certain things together, and in the process also get to know one another, understand one another, and realize that actually, yes, we belong to different faiths, different cultures, but in the essence, in the essence, we're all human beings. So we all want the same peace, same thing. We want peace, we want tranquility, we want to live in this world in harmony with the others. 
Okay, fantastic. I think the last question I'd like to um, ask you is um, just to share with our listeners where they can find out more about the Turquoise Harmony Institute, whether it's on social media or perhaps a website. Uh, yes, we've got a website, but I think uh, our social media accounts are more active than the website. So the best, I think the most popular one would be uh, to go on Facebook. And if they type Turquoise Harmony Institute, and our handle is, I think, Turquoise HI. So um, we, we would ask everyone to follow our activities through it, because that's the most active platform we use to announce our programs. Okay, fantastic. Aiden Inal is the Regional Director of the Turquoise Harmony Institute in Cape Town, in the Western Cape, rather. Aiden, shukran so much. Thank you for joining us this evening on Burning Issue. Thank you very much and all the best. So if you want to find out more about the Turquoise Harmony Institute, you can have a look at them on Facebook and then you can find out also about the future events. Now, Betty, before we go for the break in about two minutes' time, can you please elaborate, also rather answer the question around misconceptions that people might have around interfaith work and even fears? Yes, indeed. We've spoken about the separation um, between people that is based on fear and lack of knowledge. And... When people start to actually speak to each other and discover that we're human, those fears start to get broken down and suddenly we realize that the artificial barriers that are built up between us are just that, totally artificial. Um, and we've seen it before, we've, see, we've seen it in the apartheid years, how difference create, can be used to create separation. But we all face the same problems. So best we get together and work out how we're going to deal with these problems together. And that's what um, Aidan, thank you so much Aidan for actually mentioning the work that we do with the Cape Flats Interfaith Group. It's the, the Cape Flats Anti-Crime Interfaith Group and it's a group of Muslim and Christian leaders um, who got together and said we have a common problem, we need to deal with it together and they really are doing some amazing work. So that's actually religious leaders tackling a social issue. Exactly. I mean, we've seen that around the world, right? Yes. You can you can share you can both share some yes. of your experiences from other parts of the world, where religious leaders have come together to actually tackle a social problem. Yes, I think that is the very important uh, part of the interfaith work, and interfaith work actually really requires communication and courtesy to listen. When you communicate, sometimes if you just talk, it doesn't work. You have to listen, then only you will understand the other side. Also, cooperation. Cooperation between the people working together, that is very important. Then commitment. If you are committed that, yes, I will do this, then only the perseverance will continue. And none of this interfaith work is rewarding fast rewarding thing okay and there are many many organizations including parliament of world religions we have a different ways to do it we have a climate commitment project and that is working really working very hard we have about 30 members just working for that and uh, we plan for many se uh, seminars and webinars for the climate commitment. Mm -hmm. What is so interesting yes. is that it indicates that religion isn't just about sitting on a prayer mat. It's actually about being a very active citizen as well. Absolutely. And and I can tell you many religious leaders, they themselves, I have seen many sadhus taking care of in any kind of disaster work, 
they go and really work they part they part of the whole disaster yeah let's so go for a quick ad break and then when we come back i'd want to elaborate on some points that you had raised earlier on around tolerance versus acceptance and we also want to get into the personal journey of someone who's interested in interfaith work how you can go about this yeah okay. we'll take a quick ad break Station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldi, and we now continue our conversation about interfaith work. Now, something that you mentioned in the break, um, in fact, something that I just want to, you know, touch on quickly before we go into the questions that we mentioned earlier is that some of the fears that people might have is that interfaith work is about having a one kind of size fits all religion and that you must suddenly now adopt new practices or beliefs and you know is that something what's your thoughts on that Barry? not at all so we want people to be who they are um, we are not looking for a one world religion and we are not looking to convert anybody in fact one of our only real rules is that proselytization, um, trying to convert other people and convince them that you are right? That is not what we do. We are here to learn about you. We're here, here to learn about each other and how you express your, your spirit. What is your spiritual expression? I want to know the beauty that you bring to the world. Okay. Now, let us talk about the idea of tolerance versus acceptance. Mm -hmm. Do you want to expand on that concept? Yes. Uh, any, and we talk about not just the religious leader. Parliament of World Religions involves even spiritual leaders, activists and atheists also. Because if all people come together and we understand what their view, their viewpoint, then I think we accept each other. We don't have to be uniformly exactly the same but we accept everybody and we walk ahead hand in hand in our own way but without disturbing the other way and that is what I call if you tolerate the other religion or other person in a general uh, time comes when your you know your power of tolerance is exhausted and then it rebounds you know but if you accept it that yes, it's a different, you know, like if you see a flower of, a, a bouquet of flowers, the flowers look so pretty with a, one rose and one, all different kinds of different color flowers, they don't fight with each other. And it looks beautiful bouquet. The same way we all are flowers, different religion, different spiritual, uh, uh, you know, interest. And if we all accept each other and stay together, we will make a great bouquet for 
offering to the same More flower power. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think what's important here is to understand that it is about coming together in diversity. Right. right? That's what I'm getting. You That's the message I'm getting. Diversity you is our superpower, Yazid. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I mean, is. Cape Town knows about diversity. As I mentioned to our guests in the break, you know, often people reminisce about this area called District 6, and they say mm-hmm. in that area was all the religions and colors of the world. Uh, or rather, the Rainbow Nation was there, actually, before Desmond Tutu called us the Rainbow Nation. We had the living embodiment of the Rainbow Nation in District 6. You're right here in Cape Town, just up the road from where we are sitting right now. Um, listeners, you are welcome to participate in the program, of course. The lines are open throughout the show. The number in studio is 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. You can also send us a WhatsApp to the number 072-238-0712. That is 072-238-0712. A personal journey of discovering interfaith work and being in the spaces where interfaith is celebrated. Talk to us about that. Um, We talked about tolerance before. (coughs) It's not just about tolerance, but about respect and respecting the other is a human trait that we can all develop and many times I talk about uh, with my classes when I teach about three D's decenter, de-label and dialogue then there are uh, some H's like not hegemony not homogeneity but harmony and that is where we celebrate differences that differences are unique to each individual and to each person's belief. And when we try respecting it, it's a beautiful dance of differences. And that is who we are on this earth. And that is what we are doing with our religious uh, beliefs. Because religion is kind of in our bones, in our soul, in our heart, in our minds. It's our existence. And uh, when we give it a title of religion, we are just expanding, as it were. It's something else that is laid upon us, but it is un- uh, unraveling of ourselves. But talk to, us about, talk, to us, talk to us about your journey. How did you get into the interfaith space and get involved, you know, in actually going into different spaces? I mean, you obviously, I guess, were raised with a particular faith background and suddenly you know, you were interested in other faiths and other yeah. religions. Um, well, now it looked like sudden at some point, but I think it was in me uh, now that I look at it all the time. I was um, uh, born in India, a Hindu. I just had my degrees in English literature from London, then comparative literatures uh, and comparative religions from a PhD. And then I did my academic work. Uh, teaching world religions and world literatures and in doing that in during this process I am like taught all religions and one time I never told them what my religion was uh, my my students and one time one girl asked me uh, what was the faith that I was raised in and I said well I taught you about Hinduism Buddhism Jainism Sikhism Islam against Judeo-Christian background why don't you make a guess and she thought I was Muslim. Mm -hmm. The other one said Buddhist. The point I'm making is that religions are really the same at the basis, very, very similar and very different. And their expressions are as different as we human beings are. And uh, there is not a 
my second in the world, and still that is my religion. So that became my personal experience about this kind of faith of uh, blooming from who you are through whatever belief that you have. And that is my personal journey. Thank you. Piri, the education program of the Cape Town Interfaith Initiative. Talk to us about that and what it aims to achieve and how it works. Sure. So in Cape Town, we're still very um, geographically fragmented. And it is very possible for a child of one faith to grow up and not meet a child of another faith, particularly opposing faiths, um, apparently opposing faiths, such as um, Islam and Judaism, for instance. So, and that is what breeds fear and separatism. So, in grade e, grade 10, we take children from different schools. We're working with nine schools at the moment. They each send us about four children. And we start off their grade 10 year with a five-day camp. When they get out of the bus, they're looking at each other with suspicion, and they're not sure, and should I, did I make a mistake? By the time those five days end, they are inseparable. And then we take them through a two-year journey. It's a program that was devised by um, Marlene Silbert, who's been an amazing educator over many years. And what we do is we put them onto this program, which involves a lot of social um, social justice project work. For instance, in their second year, they teach at the they do aftercare or tutoring at the Amy Foundation. And by the end of that time, they have really got a very, very solid foundation. And we have helped to break down through that process some of the geographic fragmentation, some of the ideological fragmentation. And these people are released into the world knowing actually that it's just another person with a different expression. And they've made friends. And when you make friends with people and build relationships, that's peace building because friends watch each other's backs and they want the best for each other, no matter what their background or belief is. Okay. How do you, for example, work in, do you work in schools as well? I mean, do you have talks, do you have, you know, because that is really, I think, a space where a lot of misperceptions can also grow, you know? Absolutely. So we, Obviously, our schools program is involved in high schools. Um, we our grassroots arm, Faith, Hope, Love Communities in Elsie's River. Um, they were our they were our partner winners of the 2019 United Nations World Interfaith Harmony Week. Um, and James Elman, who is the leader of that particular organisation, he does a lot of workshops, peace workshops in schools with small children, and he runs holiday programs as well, where he speaks to children about their identity and helps them to gain self-respect, which in turn helps them to respect others. So he's doing a lot of work in schools as well. We're also working very hard to get the Charter for Compassion accepted as a teaching tool into the Western Cape schools. And again, Marlene Silbert has been instrumental in, first of all, in writing the Charter for Compassion in a way that makes it accessible to young learners. And secondly, in working with the Department of Education to have that accepted as a as a teaching tool, which again helps people, helps children to look at common values. Please elaborate on the Charter. The Charter for Compassion. Right. Um, in, twi- in 2008, um, yeah, t- I think it was 2008, 
Karen Armstrong, who's a former Catholic nun, she won the TED Talk for the year and she was given a wish. And she said, my wish is to create a document in which, in which everybody, of both of all religions and none, can find themselves, which will identify common values as human beings that will help us to live in harmony with each other. And what happened was that a group of Abrahamic um, faith scholars, so um, Muslim, Jewish and Christian scholars, got together in Switzerland and they worked through all the texts and found that compassion was the underlying common denominator. And they created the Charter for Compassion. And since then, they have been, um, they've been promoting it around the world. Cape Town Interfaith Initiative introduced it in Cape Town in 2010. And Bishop Tutu, in fact, presided over uh, and he, he helped sign it. He launched it with us. And in 2014, City of Cape Town adopted that charter to become a city of compassion. We haven't done, well, the city of, of Cape Town hasn't done too much with that yet, but we're still working on ways to really develop that as, as an ethos for the city of Cape Town. I mean, isn't it ultimately up to citizens to adopt it? It is up to citizens, and in fact, citizens can and do adopt it. It's adopted in schools, um, and you, you as an individual can go online, charterforcompassion.org, and you can adopt, you can sign it yourself. I believe it's been signed by millions of people all over the world right now. And there are about 400 um, compassionate cities around the world. So we've got a lot of um, really good examples to start to follow, and, and in Cape Town, we really... Yes, absolutely. The individual is key, but it grows from there. Mm -hmm. And our organizations can also lead the way. Yeah. Now, you know, something else that comes to mind, Perry, is around the work that one or that your organization might be doing with religious leaders. In fact, let me just quickly go into our WhatsApp messages. We have received a message from one of our listeners, and this is listener 0707 who says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I'm so proud of everyone in the studio. It's because of taking praying in the schools. Okay. Praying in the schools didn't change any religion. It just made us humble, respect one another. I would have loved that one of the sheikh or imam in the studio, everyone that as well, and everyone that is present, may the Almighty God and Allah grant you to grow from strength to strength. Amin. Wassalam from a concerned listener. That is the message from our listener. How beautiful. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you so we much. We appreciate it. Yeah. We do. May I, may I actually respond to that? Yeah. Because I want to encourage this listener. One of the wonderful things that we did last year was we did take a group of Catholic teachers on a tour of a mosque, a synagogue, and a temple. And the reason for that is because um, the Catholic teachers were finding that they are not only having Catholic children in their classes, so they wanted to learn a little bit more about the backgrounds of some of the other children so that they could support them. And I thought that was a beautiful thing to do. It was such a joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I just also want to respond to the listener that we did have a Dean Inal on the, the program, and he's from the Turquoise Harmony Institute, and they are essentially based on Islamic ethos. Yes. Um, but they, of course, invite people of various religions to participate in their events. So coming to the question that I was going to also ask um, and Betty and, um, you know, our guest from the Parliament of the World's Religions, Dr. Badra Shah, either one of, in fact, I'd like both of you to answer this. The, 
it could be a concern that religious leaders might actually hinder interfaith work, you know. And there might be situations where religious leaders could even be accused of spreading hatred of other people, of other faiths, to their own congregations. And does this mean that you also need to work with religious leaders? Does it mean that you also need to gather religious leaders to ensure that there is common ground and understanding? Yes, I think uh, uh, in whatever that I know, I think very few religious leaders will just go against. They may not agree with you, okay? They may not agree with, and everybody doesn't have to agree with each one. But as long as they listen and keep courtesy that, uh, yes, I'm ready to accept it, but it may take time. And then, even if I cannot accept what you are saying, I'm ready to work with you so that the world can become more just, sustainable and peaceful. Because if we just go in a different path, you know, then we are not gaining anywhere. And our everyone want to be happy. And how can you be happy if, suppose if I am having a pain in my little finger, I cannot be happy. Same way, if the world is becoming like a global village, it's becoming smaller and smaller and smaller with our all advances in different mm, fields. So, world is not like, uh, oh, I'm happy in this area, so everyone will be happy. And if somebody is unhappy somewhere, like a coronavirus, okay, it is affecting the whole world, not just China. And the same way the poverty in one area or tuberculosis in one area can spread very easily. So we, those people, maybe the religious leader, some religious leader may be like that they believe in their religion so hard and fast that they will have a little hard time to accept. But they say that even if you hear something wrong for a hundred times, you start believing. So we keep on continuing our try. The interfaith work should continue. I feel like I feel like the question could be answered a bit more directly. Yes. Do you work with religious leaders oh, yes. to ensure that there is not a perpetuation of hatred of other people. Uh, Do you have this kind of program? See, Do you have anything like this? The programs, I wouldn't say that there is a specific program yeah. to work with any religious leader. But I think uh, I'm getting an idea from you. So maybe we will try to see. But I... Uh, I think uh, we can think about it, yeah. you know, and try to approach. If we notice somebody who is doing that, then it's a good idea to approach. And uh, if we cannot change it uh, overnight, but we can continue trying. And at least we can do something. Whatever their uh, anti-religious or hate feeling or something of that sort is going on, okay. with, that yeah. we can try to do something so that it can be retouched. Yeah. Look, we need to take a quick ad break now. When we come back, I'd like Barry to answer that question as well. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.
radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We are talking about interfaith initiatives and work towards creating harmony between people of different faiths and religions. Betty, before the break, we had a question that says, do you work with religious leaders to counter any forms of hatred that may actually originate from those very religious leaders? So we always speak out against um well, violence and or religiously motivated violence. However, we don't have any specific programs that work with those leaders. What we do is we, we simply promote peace and we work to show people, to model what it is that we believe in in the world, which is a, un, a world united with common purpose um, and full respect for each other. Our doors is always open. So we've had organizations that have said to us, oh, we, we actually like what you're doing, but we don't really want to work with you because that organization is part of you. Well, our door is always open to everybody to come and dialogue with us, to come and work with us, and to work through our differences. But we're not going to go and seek conflict because that is not what we do. We seek peace. Mm-hmm. Can I share a personal Sure, please on do, that? please do. Um, one time I had a, a student, uh, undergraduate, who was going to be a minister, Christian uh, theology minister. And he was in my class to study world religions. And halfway down the semester, he came to me and said, this religion is... Uh, Do you want to get your phone? Somebody's phone is ringing. Do you want to get it? It's okay. No. Okay. But can we, can we, can we put yes, it off? Can you Will go? it stop? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And then mm-hmm. he said this relig- this course was challenging his faith. And I said, I wanted you to be a better Christian mm-hmm. by learning about other religions. And he, the story doesn't end there. He left my class. I mean, he was in my class, passed it. And then he went to the seminary. And then he quit seminary for some of his personal reasons and went to education, school of education while he was teaching in New York junior high school, Catholic school. And he, he introduced world religions as a social study program. And uh, he taught world religions to his high school, uh, junior high school students. I mean, America must be such an interesting place, though, because unfortunately the impressions we get is of an extreme right Christian that's only part of the story yeah. like everywhere yeah. you find that the, and that is a really ugly part of the story that comes out and some of us uh, me particularly as a new immigrant to that country did not even think that would be possible but now in with recent politics we know that that is possible and there is this kind of extremism that is the underbelly of american consciousness um so anyway this but these things are um happening i mean we're not saying it is the american experience of religion we are just saying it is one of the realities of course america is a very diverse country right but then religion becomes a part of so many things because it is used by everybody. When they want to make a change, they can misuse it, mistreat it, 
misrepresented and that is unfortunately human story mm -hmm. regardless of national boundaries geographic yeah, boundaries yeah. i mean i'm busy I'm, I'm at the moment i'm reading this book it's it's one of the saddest books i've ever read it's called a thousand splendid sons and it's oh, yeah. written by khalid Husseini. he's an, an afghani writer and in the book i mean the absolute violence that is perpetuated against women in Afghanistan yeah. would make one believe that that is how Muslim men treat their wives. No. It's, it's shocking, it, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously based on, a, on, on truth as well. I mean, he is from Afghanistan. He knows what he's writing about. It's not just made up. Um, but, but that's not the whole truth. It's not the whole truth. That's the point I'm getting to, right? Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not saying that that is how Muslim men treat their wives, period. No. Yeah. And likewise, I'm making the point that that is not the truth, the entire truth of the American Christian experience. No, yeah. and, and I think I just thought somebody suspected I was Muslim. And another person asked me, why do you, why do you think they thought you were Muslim? I said, when I teach Islam, I have to first teach them what it is not before I start teaching them what it is. So even though I'm of Hindu faith and I teach Islam, somebody suspected I was Muslim. So I must have done something right. Uh, mm -hmm. That is what, that is, the thing is, all religions have their dark and uh, bright sides. In yeah. practice, not in principles, in practice. Yeah, because people and are all different and everybody's gonna have their own way in of... Interpretation. Yeah. And then misinterpretation, and uh, yeah. mis... And I think that is where the trouble lies. Yeah. I think and no, no religion has monopoly on mistruth. Absolutely. And I think also, um, Dr. Clark, it's interesting that very often it's cultural um, traditions yes. that, that take on the ambience or, this, or the, the feeling or the language of religion. Yeah. And, and we blame religion for certain cultural ways. Right. And religion itself, like philosophy, the philosophical truth, the spiritual truth of every religion is kind of twisted as religious stories. Yeah. So the minute you start saying something, it becomes half-truth. Mm -hmm. Let's go for a quick ad break. When we come back, it's the last few minutes of the show and then we wrap up. Okay. From Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. We're now in the last few minutes of The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin, and I'm going to give our guests in studio a chance to make any final remarks. We can start on my right. Yeah, do you have any final remarks that you would like to say? Um, yes. I think despite all the problems that we've discussed and we face every day, uh, I feel the future for humankind is very bright. And I may be a kind of a minority voice but I think very strongly about that and I feel that with technology and the, uh, the very good use a valid use and uh, we can use uh, we can we can go into a 
higher level of consciousness and uh, we are um, we will know from the activities uh, that are happening all around the world in kind of interconnecting even though the world is connected by trade technology and terror we have a bright future because we can use technology as the new stage to reach another a human development. Thank you. Love that. Love that. We are seeing a garden filled with lots of blooming flowers. Betty, your, your, your turn. Thank you. I'd like to just invite people to come and share our seven sacred days in Cape Town with us, the ones that are left, um, days five, six, and seven. And you can find that on our website, capeinterfaith.org.za, or look on Facebook for seven sacred days, as well as on um Instagram for Cape Town Interfaith. And then in, we're going to be following that up in April on Freedom Day with a three-day in Darba called The Radiant Current of Creation, exploring the emergent power of interfaith. So there's a lot to look forward to this year, and we'd really like to encourage people to just come and explore. See what you like. Take what, take what you like. Leave what you don't. But just go on this journey of exploration with us to discover the, the healing power of interfaith. Thank you. And yeah. Yes, uh, that's exactly what I would like to do, that I invite all listeners, their friends, their family and their acquaintances to believe in interfaith work and support the interfaith work. If you are interested in any way for uh, interfaith work of the first international interfaith organization that parliament of the world's religions you can learn more about it on parliamentofreligions.org and i believe we have so many programs and including a global ethics program that we are going to do in the schools i think the children are the most important people in their absorption of any new things is much higher than the adults and I think it will lead us to our dream of a much better and just sustainable and peaceful world. Thank you. Thank you so much to our guests for joining us this evening on Burning Issue. I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening with Voice of the Cape from myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Assalamu alaikum. FM and 95.8 FM stereo.